So the Wagner Group is a paramilitary cartel. I think that's the best way to describe it. It really is an amalgam of different contractor units of irregular forces. Um, it's constituted primarily of active reservists who at some point in their career served in the military uh, first as conscripts and then uh, became part of the officer corps. Um, in Russian, they're often referred to as volunteers, so it can be a little bit confusing. Uh, and even more confusing is um, in sort of Russian military slang, uh, typically warrant officers uh, or officers of that uh, class are referred to as mercenaries. Uh, but in actual fact, these irregular forces are on contract with the Russian military, um, but they do have a very distinctive task. And their main task is force mobilization. Now, almost 10 years ago, when Russia annexed Crimea, we saw the so-called little green men, the men in uniform without insignia. Was this an early manifestation of the Wagner Group? That's correct. And largely what we were seeing was the deployment of GRU military intelligence officers and their rank and file irregular forces beneath them. And they were deployed to surreptitiously take control of Crimea and then begin uh, inexorably marching toward uh, control of Donbass. And they got stopped there, as you all know. Uh, and that is actually kind of the, the marching point for this war. Um, but the Wagner Group appeared right around the time of the second Minsk agreement, the ceasefire negotiations in early 2015. And it was at that time that Russia was trying to control what it considered rogue commanders that were part of the pro-Russian separatist forces. And essentially they deployed uh, a unit of GRU agents known as the cleaners uh, who were sent out to assassinate those commanders. That is the origin story of the Wagner Group. And of course, they've been active in other countries apart from Ukraine. Correct. Um, they've been active in Syria uh, even before the beginning of the Ukraine war back in 2014. Later, that unit uh, stabilizing parts of the, uh, the Arab region became a big part of their uh, objective, including, of course, the infiltration of forces in Libya. Uh, and Sudan. This all kind of aligns with a larger purpose, which is for Russia to be able to project power out into the world, strategically speaking. But on the tactical side, a very important element of the Wagner Group's mission is to help Russian oligarchs and state enterprises avoid sanctions imposed uh, due to breaches of international law. So is there a definite link then between the Wagner Group and Vladimir Putin's Kremlin? I don't think there's any doubt that there is a definite link. The most important link to understand is that it's all completely legal. Um, it, it happens that the patchwork of laws that pertain to the management of state enterprises like Rostec, which is the major arms provider, uh, like Ros, Rosneft, which is the largest oil company owned by the state, those two, uh, Gazprom and others, all have the ability to hire their own contracted paramilitaries. And essentially what we're seeing is the kind of semi-legalization of that force um, to be used not only for uh, production of oil and gas, but also for seizing territory uh, and you know, ostensibly defending that territory for Russia's strategic purposes. So are those companies the money behind Wagner? Those companies are the money behind Wagner. Uh, the men who are the heads of those companies are some of the oldest friends of Vladimir Putin. 
and no, most notably Sergei Chemezov, who's the head of Rostec, Yuri Kovalchik, who's the head of uh, SoGaz, which is Russia's largest insurer, Gazprom, of course, run by Alexei Miller. All of these men have been friends with Vladimir Putin for the better part of 30 years. The UN says that Wagner's fighters have committed war crimes, tortures, rapes. Can they be held accountable for these? I think they can and they must. Uh, there is no way that we can continue uh, in a world where uh, so-called private actors are deployed out um, on behalf of states and there is nobody held to account. Um, that's not a world that anybody wants to live in. And in fact, you really look at the last 20 to 30 years of um, conflict in this, in this situation that we have now around the world, much of what has been fought against is that kind of lack of accountability for the use of military force.